Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Christine Kane. Christine Kane has a heart for reaching the lost and strengthening leadership. Along with her husband, Nick, she founded an anti-human trafficking organization, as well as Propel Women, an organization designed to celebrate women's passion, purpose, and potential. She is also an international speaker and author. And now, Christine Kane will explain the importance of hearing from God and allowing the word to reset your heart and keep you whole. Let's dive into the message. Why don't you turn with me to Joshua chapter 14, 6. The Bible says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Everyone say wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then. Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I love this part. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, his inheritance. I love this passage of scripture because right here, this defies common logic. Josh, um, Caleb is 85 years old and he runs up and he says to Joshua, hey, I'm not cashing in my 401k. I am not going into retirement because, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. I came out of Egypt. I saw God do signs, wonders and miracles. The Red Sea parted. I saw the Egyptian army drown. God kept us alive for 40 years miraculously. We've come in for the last seven years and we've been taking land and we've been fighting the Canaanites and we've been getting rid of the giants and we've seen Jericho walls pull, pull, fall down. We've seen the River Jordan push back. We've seen great signs, wonders and miracles. I have helped my fellow warriors take their land, but this isn't it yet. I haven't arrived yet. I've still got breath in my lungs. I don't know who is here today, but I'm here to tell you it's not over yet. Your Hebron is still ahead of you. Your mountain is still ahead of you. The promise of God is still ahead of you. If you woke up this morning and there was not a white chalk mark around your body, it means you're alive. It means there's more ahead. It means you've got so much more. God's still got a plan. He's not finished with you yet. Caleb says, I'm still here. I'm talking to some people this morning that are still here. 
Life has come and kicked you in the guts, but you're still here. You've had some disappointments, but you're still here. You've had some discouragements, but you're still here. The enemy has come and lied to you, but you're still here. Someone's walked out on you, but you're still here. A business might have gone bust, but you're still here. A sickness has tried to attack you, but you're still here. You've lost someone that you've loved, but you're still here. Am I talking to anyone in the room that's still here today? The enemy has come, but you are still here. You watch what the Lord's going to unlock for you in this conference because you're still here. Sometimes the best, best battle plan is just to go, I'm still standing. Devil, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. And so how is he still here? You've got to wonder, 85. I don't know, if you've been a Christian more than five minutes, you will have had the chance to get full of bitterness, to get offended, to walk in unforgiveness, to see uh, things aren't quite how they seem. You wonder, I, 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 the older I get, which is still young, but the older that I get, the more I appreciate people that are just basically still here. They've been Christians for 40 years and they still love Jesus and they still love his church and they still love people. The older you get, the more you realize that alone is a miracle. That alone is a miracle. So some of you have come into this house today and you're barely here. It's interesting to me, at 85, he still had this passion. At 85, he still had this zeal. That's what I want. And um, how did he not get bitter? How did he not let it take him out? Weariness or disappointment or discouragement or apathy or indifference. How somehow did he keep going? And I think it's up to all of us to work on our internal world to keep a spirit that is wholehearted and that we run our race and finish our course with passion, with zeal, with joy. Because it's so easy to be here in body but not really be here in heart. It's so easy to turn up to church every week and go through a religious ritual, but you're not here. You checked out a long time ago. You're just checking in to fulfill some religious obligation for a week, and then you're out of there. You're not really here. Let me just tell you, as a teacher, you know whether the crowd is here or whether they're here. You know the difference of whether you've just got a cute little rusty dusty on a seat or whether you have really turned up and you are really here and you're really engaged. The good news is at Gateway Pink, you are here. At Pink Impact, you are here this morning and you're ready to go on for it. So how do we stay wholehearted? Because a lot of us, we're obsessed with our external trying to stay young. Because he somehow was still very young at heart. Because a lot of times we go, man, if you just... Newly saved, you're full of passion. You can be passionate when you're young, but Christine, you know, I've been in the way for 40 years. I've seen some things. And I think, could you just get out of the way then? But anyway, there's a lot of people that they're just in the way. And they're no longer wholehearted. They're no longer young at heart. And then everyone externally is looking for that eternal fountain of youth. I mean, yesterday I was in the drugstore. Do you know there were creams there that promised me if I put a touch of that cream on, I would look 30 years younger today. <laughs> and when we're all looking, we are trying to preserve externally what God can only renew internally. But you're not going to stay wholehearted by putting cream on your face. You're going to stay wholehearted by allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart. And in the days in which we live, the enemy is after our heart. The enemy wants to wear us down. The enemy wants to make us weary. Good people, good Christian people, just exhaust us. That's his plan. 
You know, I see young people, I, if I try to take someone on the road with me that's 20, I mean, they're taking naps and I have to bring them cups of tea because they can't even keep up. <laughs> we need the supernatural power of God to renew our strength. The Bible says we'll mount up on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not faint. But I think the Lord's brought us together because He's about to do a shift. You know, when I um, get on the aeroplane, they say, could you go and check your settings and put your phone in aeroplane mode? If I want to talk in my car, I have to go into my settings and put my phone and connect it through Bluetooth to the car. If you want to see some kind of external change, you've got to go into your settings and you need to reset your settings so that you can get things right. You know, Nick bought me an Apple Watch recently and he said, Christine, in order for your watch to work, you've got to download the app on your phone and go into your settings and set your settings. And I said, I come from a time where there was no discernible correlation between your phone and your watch. When I was born with the dinosaurs, I would, if I wanted to make a phone call, I would pick up something with a cord. I would put it on my ear. I would have to actually use my finger to put it in a dial and turn the whole thing. And if I wanted to tell the time, I had to look at my watch that you wound up. But nowadays, if I want to do something with my watch, I've got to go to my phone. I'm like, man, what kind of world do we live in? If you want to, some of us have come here and we don't seem to be hearing from God too well and that's because we've got too many spiritual apps open on our spiritual phone. And God's going to come and close some of those apps to make some room for you to hear from Him and from His Spirit. Others of you, you've come in here in the hard drive of your spiritual computer. It's just full of lies from the enemy. And God's going to wipe that hard drive clean and He's going to reset it with the truth of His Word. God's come to do some resetting in our inner world. You see, Caleb was wholehearted, not half-hearted, but wholehearted. It doesn't surprise me that God would start with our heart. Because if he's got your heart, he's got you. You'll do anything when your heart's in it. You know when I met my husband? We met at Hillsong Bible College and um, I was doing a lecture on evangelism and Nick was a student. And so back then in those days at our Bible College, there was a rule that students were not allowed to date. But there was no rule for students and teachers. And so my husband... <laughs> I know you could go to jail now, but anyway, that was then. So, um, so Nick found out from my best friend that I swam every morning at 6 a.m. at our local swimming pool. Now, I had been doing this, girls, for one solid year, and I had never seen anyone at the pool at 6 a.m. except for the guy that opens it and me. Well, anyway, after this lecture, I would go to the uh, local swimming pool, and there's my husband. Oh, he wasn't my husband then, he was this guy. And he was doing laps up and down the pool. And then after about a week, he made sure that he accidentally on purpose swam into my lane and knocked me out. And so we're in the pool and I'm like, oh, you know, hi, Nick, what are you doing here? And he kind of had that, that male bravado, you know, and he's going, what do you mean what am I doing here? I'm always here at six o'clock in the morning. I love swimming at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> now, girls, on the 30th of March, Nick and I celebrated... 20 years of marriage, which was awesome, yeah. But this is what I want to tell you. If you do the math, that is roughly 7,300 days. So this is what I want to say. I have woken up next to that man for more than 7,300 mornings. 
And I want to declare to you today that never once, not even once, not one of those 7,300 mornings has my husband ever got up at six o'clock to go swimming in any pool. My point is that you'll do anything for passion. You'll get up at six o'clock in the morning when no one makes you. You, you. You'll get up and have a quiet time. No one has to make you. You'll tithe. No one has to make you. You'll go to church. No one has to make you. You'll keep yourself morally pure. No one has to make you. You won't lie. No one has to make you. You won't cheat. No one has to make you. You do what you want from passion. So he says, how's your heart? Some of us today need a spiritual heart checkup. Our hearts become calloused. We haven't gone to the word to allow it to read our heart. And so we've allowed unforgiveness and bitterness and shame and guilt and envy and greed and lust and guile to take root in our heart and we're headed for a spiritual heart attack. Where's your affection? Where's your heart? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray you prosper and are in good health even as your soul prospers. How's your soul today? See, you can put as much anti-wrinkle cream as you want on your skin, but it's not gonna impact the wrinkles on your soul. How's your soul? Because if we are gonna be like Caleb and finish strong, then we need to pay a little bit more attention to our inner world than our outer world. Then we need to understand that our heart better be pumping the life of the Spirit through our bodies into a lost and a broken world. That our soul needs to be well. The hymn writer wrote, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. But as I travel, I'm finding it is not well, it is not well, it is not well with a lot of women's souls. Women that have been Christians for a long time. And I think the challenge is this, and I know for me, this has been a very big thing in my life and I've had to revisit it in the last couple of years. Because I think sometimes we forget as Christians, we are tripartite beings. God has created us body, soul, and spirit. And we put so much emphasis on the spirit, which we should, on our Bible reading and, and our, our, our being in, in union with the Spirit of God and, and our spiritual disciplines, it is so important. But we also have to remember that that Holy Spirit resides within a physical body. I don't know if I was God, I wouldn't have done it that way, but that's why He's God and I'm not. It's a perk of being God, you get to choose. And so that's how He decided it was gonna happen. But He also gave us a soul. And here's the deal, if you came to Jesus with a wounded soul, it didn't get zapped whole when you said the sinner's prayer. So, you know, if you raised your hand, you said yes to Jesus, you walked down the aisle to pray the sinner's prayer, the prayer that will pluck you out of eternal darkness and put you into the kingdom of God for all of eternity. I mean, it is the most powerful prayer you're ever gonna say. But here's the deal. If you raised your hand and walked to the front, and prayed that sinner's prayer and you had cellulite on your thighs. <laughs> when you prayed those words that took you out of hell and put you into heaven, and you said amen, when you went back to your seat after saying amen, that cellulite went back to the seat with you. <laughs> we all understand that when it comes to the body. But what makes us think that just because I say amen and my spirit is born again, that my wounded soul is instantly healed. And that's what kept me sitting in meetings like this, sitting up the back there, going, I wanna believe what she's saying is true. I, I wanna walk in, for man, if people only knew. 
and that I really try to do this thing and I pray more and I fast more and I go to more conferences and I do more Bible studies and I read more books, but, but I can normally keep it together for just a couple of days and then I don't know what happens. I fall back into my patterns of destructive behavior or I fall back into my negative thinking or I fall back, I'm, I'm trying and, I, and eventually you just think, I wish it was true, I'd love to believe it's true, I really don't, so I'll sit my butt on a pew, but I don't really believe it's going to impact me. And we've got to move beyond that. We've got to move beyond that because I don't know how many more Bible studies we need to do and how many more sermons we need to hear until we start appropriating this stuff and it starts changing us. But I think one of those keys is that we've got to start to understand the difference between spirit and soul. So I had a very, of course I had a damaged soul. And all of us have to whatever degree. You don't need to have had my past for this to be true. And so what I did was I, I didn't know what to do and I so much wanted so much of God. So I did what we all do. I, I visited God on Sunday and I visited God at the conference and I visited God at the Bible study. But you know, we, our Word is dwell. The Bible says in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst them. I love the Eugene Peterson rendition of this. It says the Word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. The only problem is we don't want God to move into the neighbourhood. We want to visit God because it's a lot easier for, to visit God over there than for God to move into the neighbourhood over here. So we all go for one hour and visit God on Sunday or visit God at the conference. But you know, when you have a visitor, what do you do? You clean the house up really nice. You go get all the kids' dirty undies and you put them in the cupboards and you hide them all. You go into the bathroom, you get rid of the sandpaper and put really nice soft toilet paper because the visitors are coming. You go in and you cook and bake really good chocolate cookies, but if the kids touch them, they're dead because that's for the visitors. So the visitor comes, they sit at the, you know, in the lounge room. Everyone's really polite. If the kids look like they're going to fight without taking your eye off the visitor, you are giving your kids the evil death stare that says you are dead. <laughs> and then the visitor leaves at the appointed time. We wait till the car drives off. And then, man, World War III breaks out at home. Well, this is what we do on our way to church every week. Not here in Dallas, but, you know, in Australia, in the heathen places. That's, that's where it happens. So what, what do we do? We, we kind of drive to church. I mean, we are having a full on fight with our husband and we've nearly killed the kids and we've said a lot of four letter words. None of them are love and none of them are in the Bible. And so off we go. And then what happens? We pull into the church parking lot and that spirit of hypocrisy, it comes upon us. And so we get to the front foyer and the greeter gives us a bulletin, shakes our hand. How are you this morning? You're like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I've been redeemed and sanctified and justified by the blood of the Lamb. And in fact, here is my cherubim and my seraphim and they're going into kids' church today. Fuck. Okay. And then, like we're singing, you know, I love you, come Holy Spirit, you're awesome. If he thinks he's getting any for the next month, he's got another thing coming. Oh yes, Holy Spirit, oh yes. It is amazing how you can multitask in your mind while you're worshipping the Lord. Oh yes, it, it is. As if somehow God doesn't know. But anyway, that's how we are. And then we can sometimes maybe stay a Christian through to Sunday night on a good week, Monday. But by Tuesday, our evil twin sister's back. And by Wednesday, we hate ourselves again because we really wanted this thing to work. And the difference is, and the team can come, the difference is we didn't let God move into the neighbourhood of our heart, our soul. Our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we just said, you know, I'll put on my dressy clothes and I'll come and visit you on Sunday. And I can keep it together for an hour. 
And what you've done is there's areas of your soul where you've double deadlocked, padlocked God out of them. Oh, I know, because that was me. I had made vows. You jump from church to church because you don't trust any male authority because someone used you, someone abused you, someone walked out on you. And you're wondering why you're not fulfilling your destiny. And you think the problem's everyone else, but it's the broken, wounded soul. And you've locked God out of the very areas that only his light can illuminate and bring healing. The Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Girls, I want you to hear me. God has no dark side. For someone like me, some of the greatest revelation I've gotten from the scripture is that God is trustworthy. He is worthy of my trust. It took me years to believe that because anyone that I should have trusted violated me, left me, abandoned me, rejected me. Jesus is trustworthy. He's going to bring healing and wholeness into your life throughout this conference. But you've got to give him the keys to those places where you've locked him out of your soul. And your soul will always remain wounded and you will always default down to your lowest level of personal revelation until you let Jesus go there and bring healing and elevate you up. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Christine Kane. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.